There's a whole crowd of men out there who need this. Welcome to the case study. This case study will be marked down in time. Known to all as the record keeper of the historic rise of the woke man. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. Actually, welcome, gentlemen. I don't know if any women will be listening to this, but quite frankly, I don't care. What I want is to see the change in man. Yes, that's hurt. The change in man. This is the Woke Man series, where you hear the stories of men who changed, who laid to rest their old ways of thinking, and who opened up and started expressing their truth. Revealing emotion, strengthening their self-awareness, and breaking free from the old paradigm of being a man. This is going to help men find the courage to open up, to break the shackles of toxic masculinity, and to guide them home in becoming a better man. Let's go. Oh, by the way, it's Luca. Luca Reedy from the Feeling Alive podcast. And The Woke Man is a sub-series. You're welcome. Welcome back to The Woke Man series. Ladies and gentlemen, the greatest case study on man so far, at least from what I can find. And what we're seeing now, you know, nearly 60 episodes in, is an amazing picture of a conscious man and the journey of a conscious man, which has already been helping many men and women, surprisingly. Exclude my intro there because I sort of outcasted the women from the start. And it's a bit of a, a, a bit of a funny intro, but it, it turned out to be biting me in the ass because I'm getting a lot of women, a lot of women who are loving this series just as much. And it just shows that for all of you listening, for all of you men listening, that there are women out there wanting and craving more wholehearted, conscious men. Without further ado, I welcome another, a very, from what I can see from social media, because this is the first time meeting, wholehearted, conscious man and very real very real and what i love is very authentic and doesn't really give two shits but i'm here with jordan Valdich, brother thank you for joining me thanks for having me my man appreciate it now tell us where you're currently sitting because we we you're in your your off your partner's office what's behind you yeah so i'm in my lady's office and she is a sex educator yeah um she's that sex chick on instagram and all the things and so there's a shelf behind me that has an assortment of conscious dildos, <laughs> crystals, yoni eggs, you know, on brand lube and yeah. feathers and just all kinds of stuff. You know, it's an interesting segue into this because I think we, we tend to get all like weird and funny when people bring up the word sex, but it's from, uh-huh. a, from a very sort of educational perspective, I think we're currently starting to see that it's very empowering when we do embrace that. How have you found that journey in yourself in like sort of your coming, overcoming your sexuality? Embracing oh, it, sorry, I should say, not overcoming it. How much time you got? <laughs> it's a whole other episode, it, you reckon? Yeah, it's a continuous journey, man. I would say that not unlike many men that I've connected with, um, my relationship to sex growing up was a taboo kind of energy, shameful, um, learned how to jerk off from my older brother and his friends kind of a thing, you know, and Mm. doing it in secrecy, um, to like my mom's pornographic tapes that I found in her closet and just like a, yeah, a darkness and like, Mm. uh, don't talk about it kind of, you know, in certain company. And so that I imagine had a big imprint like nobody talked to me explicitly about sex growing up, like in a, conscious open way like yeah. my parents did yeah. and so i just learned from friends and from movies and porn yeah and and you know as i got into my teens that's when like the internet and being able to stream videos and stuff online became like very easy to do so it just fueled that kind of compulsion and that carried on well into my teens and into my 20s and then when i started actually having sex it was yeah at times disconnected. I think that I'm very fortunate that even though maybe I didn't have the best influences specifically in this regard, Mm -hmm. I had some good influences in other ways and a nice like 
well-rounded sort of tribal upbringing. Yeah. Um, not yeah. no mistake, it was not cookie cutter by any means, but I had a lot of just uh, variety. So, so, like so opened your, you had an open mind, open awareness from the beginning. Totally. And yeah. so that translated and permeated into all areas of my life, including sex. Yeah. Um, that being said, though, I definitely very much identified in the past with kind of the addicted lover archetype um, where, you know, just sleeping with lots of women. Like once I figured out I could and it was like it felt good and it mm. fueled my ego and, uh, you know, the just all the intensity that I was like looking to navigate and express in one way or another. That's how it often came out. Yeah, um, and then yeah. you know, a few years before meeting my partner, I started to become more conscious and aware of it. And a big part of that journey of sort of healing that was like, all right, I'm going to stop masturbating to porn for like a while. I'm going to like, and I was very public about it. <laughs> I was doing Facebook lives. This was in the early days of Facebook lives. So it's pretty radical amongst like my friends and their parents that knew me growing up, see me talking about this and like was doing these little 30 day challenges with it. And that was really a massive turning point once I committed to that and was very public about it. And then, you know, many iterations thereafter. Dude. So that, that's quite surprising. How many, I don't know how many years ago that was, but you've naturally always been quite open then, like in the terms of like publicly speaking about, you know, the things that are taboo. Cause I, I see this of you now uh, on social media. And I mean, have you naturally always been like that? I would say somewhat naturally, definitely like yeah. I've been a performer of sorts, kind of a ham, you know, like to be in the limelight and sort of the goofball of my family and class clown of sorts, but in a way that was, it was tasteful, generally speaking, like I wasn't just an idiot that people were annoyed by, like kind of knew how to play the game. And then once I woke up a little bit, I was like, oh, I can leverage that gift and that skill set in a more conscious way. Beautiful, man. I love, I'm all about that. That's awesome. And it's, I mean, we won't talk about too much about sexuality today, but it was just a good intro. I thought that totally. let's get into that because that's, that is quite an interesting topic among men. And I think sexual energy is really, I don't know, it's just a culture. It's a cultural thing, man. I think we're shaking, you know, like let's go and get heaps of chicks and all that sort of shit. So it's beautiful to yeah. see what you're doing, brother, you and your partner. For, so, you. so where, where'd you grow up, man? And where do you live now? Yeah, so I grew up half in Southern California and half Ohio, so two very different worlds. Um, Initially was born into um, a good God-fearing family in Orange County. My grandparents were pastors of a charismatic church called Powerhouse, and so very expressive, slate in the spirit, speaking in tongues, like a rock band for worship. My aunt would do interpretive dance, so that's where probably some of my expression comes from is that setting. Yeah. Um, but then, you know, when I was three years old, parents got divorced, mom moved to Ohio, um, me and my older brother and my older sister lived with her for the bulk of the year for about nine months. And then we spent summers with my dad back in California um, in the summer. <clears throat> so in Ohio, small town in the Midwest, um, poor by most people's standards is how I grew up. Certainly U.S. standards, definitely poor. And single mom worked a lot and partied when she wasn't working, never questioned her love for me, but she was pretty absent. Uh, so I did whatever the fuck I wanted, you know, and to some degree I liked that, but you know, on the other hand, it was like, I didn't feel safe. I didn't have a father, like a legit father. My mm. older brother kind of did his best to serve as that, but he wasn't the greatest role model mm. as you can imagine. Um, but then again, summers with my dad in a very different kind of scenario with a lot of those Christian influences there. Wow. Um, so I had, again, this, that's where that kind of spectrum variety of influences come into play and then moved back to California permanently when I was a freshman in high school. Okay. And then okay. after that, San Diego for about 10 years. Um, so that San Diego is very much a home for me as well. Yeah. That's where I went to college. I was in oh. a fraternity, which has a lot of um, influence on my kind of manhood upbringing. Yeah, and yeah. now I'm in Austin, yeah. Texas. Okay. Beautiful, man. Because, I mean, when you say fraternity, uh, we see like Australians in particular are like American Pie. Like that, yeah. That's the first thing. Is that is that like, I mean, talking about like the masculine culture in there, what was that like? How did you experience, what was your experiences there? Yeah, um, very polarizing. So on the one hand, it was incredible. Like uh, learned so much, a lot of beautiful lessons. Uh, and there's certainly the shadow in the dark. 
uh, a lot of the stereotypes are stereotypes for a reason, right? Mm. Um, the sort of culture of competition when it comes to like hooking up with chicks um, mm. and just toxic language and, mm. and the hearty hard bullshit, you know? And, but again, like plenty of that, but plenty of amazing things to leverage. So I learned how to run a business. I learned like world-class brotherhood, how mm. to um, create ritual, like meaningful shared initiation, rite of passage experiences. Like mm. it was incredibly difficult and incredibly um, beneficial. Mm. Wicked, man. That's pretty cool. It's, it's always good to see the lessons in everything. I mean, Geez, one, who knows? Hindsight will always tell you what the what the gifts were in, in something. Case. Sure. That's beautiful, yeah. brother. How old are you now, John? I'm 32. Wicked. Fresh. We're all fresh, man, starting this journey. Uh -huh. eh? Fresh so stuff, extra crispy. The good years are to come, man. The good years are to come. Yep. What are you doing for a living? So right now, I am a meds coach and an edutainer. So I love What's to... an edutainer? Talk to us about uh -huh. that. So... I mean, to, I guess back up, I, I worked for a brand called Bulletproof for many years. I was one of the early employees. Most people are familiar the with coffee. Bulletproof the coffee. coffee. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 So lifestyle brand, nutrition company, lots of supplements. Again, most notably Bulletproof coffee is like the signature yeah. offering. And so that's really what kind of catapulted me into more of like the woke band that you see before you hear today um, was like really getting into health and nutrition and biohacking and being one of the startup employees. I got to wear many different hats. I traveled a lot, mm. met a lot of people and um, I was with them for about six years. And then about halfway through that is when I really started to get into men's work, hosting retreats, um, going to retreats, right? Like attending retreats mm. uh, and coaching and high level immersions where somebody would stay with me for, you know, X period of time, we'd go deep on their like personalized boot camp of sorts. Mm. And um, so, yeah, bringing it to the present moment, men's coach and an edutainer and more of the edutainer um, comes from, I was a national educator for Bulletproof. So yeah. very much like the kind of like embodiment and evangelist of the brand. Yeah. And that's like, when I'm in that zone, that's my genius. Yeah. And recently launched a prod, a project called Kinda Conscious, which is like uh, conscious comedy. It's parody videos around popular culture. I love that, man. So what sort of stuff are you targeting? Like, uh, so you said popular culture, right? Like what, what's yeah. been some recent stuff that you're talking about? So the first two videos that we launched, we have about 10 in the chamber and we're just you know doing week by week and continuing to write scripts and film and all that. It's me and my business partner, Kitch, just an incredible duo, the two of us. The first one was called My Meat is Better Than Yours, hashtag meat shaving. And the idea behind that is like the setting is basically a bunch of guys at a table and they're all one-upping each other on the quality of their meat. First person's eating a burger from, you know, wherever, local fast food. And the last person hunted, you know, like, yeah, like with their yeah, bare yeah, hands, yeah, wrestled yeah, yeah. their meat and then everything in between. And so it's just like playing on this funny phenomenon of people really getting into the quality of their meat and having pride in that, but like playing it up to a ridiculous level where you're shaming people that don't live up to your standard. <laughs> and so that's the first that. video. Yeah. And then the second one we did um, is called menstruation frustration, capital yeah. M E N. And it's a few of us talking about a woman's cycle and it starts out like in an unconscious way, but we coach him. We school this unconscious man on how to be conscious about a woman's um, moon cycle. And it's absurd. It's hilarious. It's ridiculous. And we're addressing toxic masculinity in it. And it's very playful. And a lot of women have really enjoyed it, which is what I, you know, hope for that they would see it and appreciate it for what it is. And yeah. they absolutely have. Yeah. And I think that's a really good way to catch, you know, not just the conscious community, but the unconscious community, because it's you know like that, that's yeah exactly it's the bridge mm -hmm. and that's what we're trying to do right because you can preach to the choir all, all you want but it's like let's have actual like an eye-opening aha moment through through comedy because yep. that's what we can all laugh about you know we can all connect over yeah so, i love that dude so where can we watch that so if you go to kind of conscious on instagram youtube facebook we're on all those channels awesome oh mm -hmm. man that's cool and What's what's one thing you're really good at, brother? I mean, you t I can already tell you're you're public you're you're great in the public limelight. But what, what else are you good at? 
man, two things come up. Um, one is sort of like a one you might not expect is basketball. <laughs> so like basketball is my deepest passion in life wow. as far as like an embodied practice where I get to compete, experience brotherhood mm-hmm. and you know, perfect a craft. I've played my whole life, played throughout high school awesome. and still play three, four times a week, have a great community of guys I play with here in Austin. Um, so that's one. Um, yeah. And then more to like a sort of purpose perspective. I'm a world-class supporter and super connector. Mm-hmm. So supporting brands, movements, and people, and like being an evangelist, that's a a great word, I think, for what I do as an evangelist for things I believe in. Yeah. Uh, And then connecting the dots, and specifically the people. That's something that I always noticed as a kid. I had that to some degree, but I think really it's come online in the past several years, and even in the past several months, it just Mm. sort of exponentially is presenting itself. And I just, it fills me with so joy to connect people and, and projects and things like that. That's beautiful. Has anyone told you you've had the gift of the gab? Have you heard that a few times? I, I've heard that before. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's, it's very, it's very, <laughs> yeah. it's, it's, it's a gift, right? And it's like, I think what I can see in you is that you know what you're good at and you know what you can. And a lot of the conscious men that I interview is like, they sort of start to know themselves and they go, you know what? Yeah. I'm good at that. And you go, I'm not so good at that, but I'm going to focus on this. So yeah. I can see that in you, which is beautiful. What's one of your biggest fears right now, Jordan? my biggest fears it's funny because like i i want to sort of clarify the question but i'm not going to just to be real like my my greatest fear right now is stepping into being a father like and and certainly literal sense of a father like having children but like the the steps in between that are leading up to that imminent possibility Mm. um so my partner and i've been together for almost three years engagement, wedding, those things are on the horizon and then kids. And it's so clear to me that there is a massive up-leveling opportunity that I'm like right in the midst of right now. And it's, it's scary. It's uncertain. And so, yeah, I'm just like trusting. And I have so many back to the conscious couples thing we talked about a little bit before we started recording. Uh, that has been an amazing support system here in Austin yeah. is we have this, I call the coalition of conscious couples mm. and there's about five to 10 couples that are in similar like life cycles. Some have newborn kids, some are pregnant, some are like on the verge of getting married. And so it's just this wonderful spectrum, but we're all in this sort of like similar sweet spot where we can all relate and share codes and mm. it's really cool. That's awesome, man. I love that. And when you say like the 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 fear, fear around being a father, is that more so like the responsibility, the financial insecurities? What would you say? Definitely. Is- yeah, all of that. And when you said financial security, that that's definitely a big one, right? Yeah. Because I did not have like yeah. good influences growing up from a financial perspective. Like I mentioned toward the beginning, I grew up poor by most people's standards, yeah. and I I never had like good, direct, deep conversations and training around like money, the energy of it, like how it comes and goes and flows and like how to be mindful of it. And so it's something that I see some of my friends, it's like, they just seem to know how to manage money so effectively. (laughs) There's nothing particularly special about them, not to like discount them they're amazing people but i'm like they don't necessarily have anything that i don't have they just they grew up with like sort of generational wealth if you will and like an energy of awareness around that and i didn't so it's something that yeah has definitely been a hurdle just generally speaking and then the idea of stepping into fatherhood with that being part of my kind of history i guess you could say and and even Mm -hmm. wounding it's it's like yeah ooh, there's there's some sting there it's like i get to step into higher levels of that. And I certainly am, but nonetheless, that fear is there. Yeah. Upgrading that mindset. Hey, I feel you. Yeah. Man. I feel you, man. Mm-hmm. I wasn't definitely wasn't born to two accountants. That's for sure. So, <laughs> <laughs> I'm still working through that one myself. Um, what's one of your favorite quotes? Ooh. And there's a couple I want to, probably the one I have like four or five that are my go-tos, but one that I really like is what's most personal is most universal. Uh, interesting. What does that mean to you? 
So what it means to me is like the thing that feels most scary to me, that feels most personal, that like I maybe even have had some shame around and that I wouldn't dare share with most people because I think they would judge me. It's like that thing that feels again, most personal is so fucking universal. Yeah, everyone's got it. It might not be the exact people have it, yeah. same. Exactly. It might not be the exact same, obviously, because that's the uniqueness there. But like the general foundation of it is so like so many people can relate to it. Like what I shared about the compulsive masturbating to porn growing up. So many men, that's so universal, right? But for a season, it was very personal. It's like, I don't want to talk about that. Mm-hmm. And I was like, fuck it, and just start doing Facebook Lives around it, right? And then the feedback, and oftentimes the men wouldn't comment directly, you know, to be seen publicly, but they'd send me personal messages like, thank you, asking questions and things yeah. like that. So that yeah. quote is a good oh, I, I love it, man. Love it. What's a conscious man to you? I mean, you know, the literal translation is like a, a man who is conscious, you know, who has a level that is beyond standard awareness, like a deep mindfulness that is perpetually growing and expanding. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's like, it's, it's an awareness of the consequences of my action, actions in like a really deep way, like looking several steps ahead. Like if I do this or when I do this, what may or may not happen. Mm-hmm. And now it's not to say like getting into the trap of paralysis by analysis and be like, ah, I can't do anything. Cause I need to like sort of keep the peace and make sure I don't ruffle any feathers, but it's just having that present state awareness and then trusting in the intuition of that journey along the path that you'll just, you'll get it. The more you commit to it, the more you'll get it. And if you you know, mess up along the way, you learn from that and you integrate. So that to me is like the journey of a conscious man. Yeah. I like that you say like you mess up along the way, you will learn from it and integrate it, which is mm-hmm. cool. It's definitely one thing I've noticed is uh, a quality in a lot of these, a lot of men that I've interviewed is taking responsibility, radically responsibility for this shit, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's a big one. And what's one thing challenging you right now? I guess the first thing that comes up is it's relevant my dad was just here visiting it was the first time my dad visited me like came and stayed in my home Mm. ever you know i'm 32 and i've lived in many places the past Mm. almost 15 years since like you know being an adult out of high school and living with parents or whatever and i've on the surface and the way that me and my dad talk and like here's a, a classic conversation with my dad like he calls me every single day and he'll say hey best son it's your best dad i was just driving along the freeway thinking about you praying for you loving on you how's my best son doing today it's like very affectionate with his words and like very open like that which is beautiful and there's often been a lack of like deep substance to that not to say that he doesn't have like massive love for me and express in various ways, but there's some like manifestations, some actions that have not really backed up those words. Mm -hmm. And so a challenge has been communicating some of that to him and, and connecting with him in that way where he can receive it and we can grow together through it. And it's been a righteous challenge. Like I'm, I'm, putting all my, my skills, my training to good use with my own dad and him being here was the most incredible quality time I've ever had with him. Mm. Um, I feel so much more connected to him and, and in like a, a sustainable, like solid way. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that, brother. I appreciate that. It's yeah. definitely uh, our greatest challenge is definitely family. I mean, and that's the spiritual work, man. Like we can go and run and hide from all the, you know, the real world as much as we can, but like sure. we're going to change shit until we go back in and help our, our fellow humans out, you know? Mm-hmm. And the family in particular, and my brother is, my older brother's a part of that as well, like mm. communicating with him. And then he's very in the personal development world too. So there could be sort of a an unconscious posturing or like, I can't use some of the tactics just like he can on me because he knows what it is. He knows what's coming. <laughs> so it's a little bit more of like that difficult training ground and like another like layer of realness has to come through and yeah yeah, i guess i guess what i've found you know that sort of ties into like who's meets better you know um but Mm -hmm. like it it definitely what i've noticed is and i've been doing this a lot more is the more real i just start with myself the more real i get i just 
I'm going to put it out on the table. You don't meet me, then that's your shit, you know? So like, yes. I don't know. Has Have you tried that as well? Just being super real with him? Yeah. And it definitely works, but to a degree. Yeah. Uh, I find that what can happen sometimes is, you know, we've been together. Like he, like I said, somewhat of a father figure growing up, mm. my closest sibling, I have several siblings, but we're the only full blood siblings that like, grew up mostly together. Mm -hmm. And so there is just stuff there that has layered for years, you know, and he is maybe the only person that has where in his presence, in some conversations, I get hijacked by my emotions Mm -hmm. (laughs) rather than leveraging my emotions, you know, and like, and like flowing them for good or like in a very like positive, um, impactful way. Sometimes with him, I just get fucking angry or yeah. frustrated or upset and I like can't help myself. Yeah. So that's really the big challenge. What a teacher, man. He sounds like a great totally. teacher for you, right? Eh? Yeah, yeah, 100%. Crazy. And and he is so receptive to it and so aware himself, you know, a conscious woke man. So we can do that together and yeah. no matter what happens, we always come back to like that that love and that yeah. connection. It's, yeah. it's beautiful. That's what I. That's what I, I love when we talk about this now, because you know I say like this conscious journey isn't just a pedestal. We're not on a pedestal. Woke men isn't on a pedestal. It's a. It's all an ever evolving journey, and yeah. you know, we just might be on different chapters on that journey. It doesn't mean we're made it or we're perfect, but we have tools. Sure. And like that's what you say is like you always come back to love. You go, no, I'm not going to resent this guy for two years because that's what we would have done. Uh- we're going to go, okay, I'm going to accept in time. I'll take a good look at this and see what's there for me. Yep. Amen. What's unconditional love mean to you, bro? Oh, that's good. Uh, I like to call it fun conditional love. Oh, yeah. Here we go. Yeah. So, and it's kind of akin to fun comfortable, the idea of being fun comfortable. If you reframing that, um, it's it's more playful. That's kind of my style as a conscious bro is like, how can I be playful with some of these con- concepts mm. and not take them too seriously? Be, be sincere as fuck, but not too, too serious and have some silliness in the midst of it. Um, and so fun, conditional love to me is like, here's a way to look at it. Here's kind of an analogy. And I'm going to get a little biblical on you because I have some <laughs> of that, those influences and upbringing. There's, I love it. I love it peacekeeper and a peacemaker. And this is something that I learned very much through my dad's life in various ways is a peacekeeper is somebody who kind of will do anything possible to keep the peace, to keep things mellow and stable, at least Mm -hmm. on the surface. But with that comes a lot of bypassing, a lot of passive aggressive resentfulness, a lot of like martyr kind of vibes, like victim stuff. Like those are often attached to this peace uh, keeper concept peacemaker is like <laughs> making peace sometimes involves breaking bones right mm-hmm. like and resetting them so like a sprained ankle you know it's like or like a broken ankle rather you can just kind of try and let it heal without doing anything because there's going to be some pain when you have to reset that bone and like mm-hmm. let it heal properly but if you don't do that it's going to heal like shit and then you're going to have it your whole life shitty ankle (laughs) but if you do it right it'll heal correctly and there's more long-term stability there okay and so for me that's like kind of a way i look at fun conditional love it's like it might not look or feel terribly loving (laughs) in the moment Mm -hmm. and oftentimes the deepest unconditional love is exactly that way that's what it looks like um but long term like it is the righteous path and even if that person you know, outside of yourself that might be involved in that fun, conditional love practice, even if they don't receive it in that way, it's like, I can be at peace with how I'm showing up. Yeah. Yeah. I love that, man. The peacemaker and the, um, peacemaker and the peace keeper keeper. Cause it's it's almost like the peacekeeper is almost like a people pleaser side of things. And the peacemaker is almost like a leader. Uh Yeah. Your leader. There's yep. Yeah, I love that, man. And because like unconditional love is what I've started to see myself is more so like you have to might have to say something to hurt someone's feelings or, you know, piss someone off a little bit, but in order to like speak your truth, speak the truth of the situation. So I love how you say that. I can definitely see how you are that edutainer. It's it's nice. It's cool, man. (laughs) Thank you, man. 
The last question in this section, uh, do you believe in a greater power and what is that to you? Absolutely. Um, what is that to me? Ask me yesterday, <laughs> ask me years ago, ask me tomorrow. Like, I don't know, man. Like, I believe in intelligent design. I believe in something bigger than me. I believe in, you know, collective oneness. Um, it's interesting because I have, as I've expressed, some of those religious Christian influences and upbringing. And my dad is like his deepest purpose in life is to convert people to Christianity through the good word of Jesus Christ. Like mm -hmm. he is an evangelist for Christianity, like at his core. Mm -hmm. So he's, you know, preaching to me and trying to convert me to this like specific doctrine, even still, you know? Um, so I have those influences and I so appreciate that. A lot of people like um, get upset with, you know, maybe some of those influences because they felt they were lied to or, or whatever, or there was like some shaming and judging and guilt and those things that come up. And I totally understand and can empathize with that. But there's also a lot of love and light to it that like I have taken with me into this bigger knowing that is also way less knowing. It's like, it's unknowable. And so that's kind of how I look as like, fuck, man, I don't know. But like, I definitely feel and experience something bigger than my meat suit can mm. fathom so often, especially the more I'm on this path of being, you know, a conscious man. I just, I see it expressed and manifest in so many different ways. And like synchronicities, come on that's now. You know, like, that, yeah. yeah. Like when you just, those little God winks, I like to call them come up. It's like, <laughs> tell God me that there's shit out there that's way bigger than all this. I know, dude. That, oh, that, that's exactly how I said. I'm like, I mean, what the fuck is synchronicities? Really? It's like, totally. And you go, you can't just deny that. Like, if yeah. there's anything else, like I'm looking at all my books here to the left, um, mm. and like, oh, even this one, dude. Many lives, many masters. Have you read that? I've heard of it, but I've not read it. Oh, mate, I can't put it down. And it just cements what we're talking about for me, anyway. It just it cements my beliefs and just even deepens yeah. it even more. It sort of takes the lid off. You know, I feel like I'm already an open-minded person, grew up mm. spiritual, but it just takes a lid off that. I'm just like, yeah. holy shit. Mm. So it's really cool answering this, getting this, asking this question and hearing all the answers because it's 100% everyone, all the men so far, you know, you're 59, episode 59, yes, it's 100% is yes. And it's just the yeah. little things of nuances of what that means to them. But it's really cool, man. Because one of the things, I don't know if you've found, is that men don't talk about spirituality too often. They, or it's like, a. I mean, growing up in the church is a bit different, but at least from where I'm from, like a, 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 I grew up in a mining town, small mining towns where it's not really much like that, you know, and it's like, woo woo is weird. Uh -huh. Have you ever experienced anything like that? Uh, definitely. Yeah. Um, well, so you, you, you talked about men oftentimes not talking about spirituality. And I think that there's, women seem to be tapped into something that's a little less that's more fluid that's uh, more intuitive that's yeah. less tangible and physical and so i think oftentimes they seem to and certainly my partner has this feel into things see things and experience things that go so beyond the surface in my logical you know kind of masculine brain yeah um and so and you know, i in the church setting, I saw that too. Women like emotions, emotions mm -hmm. feel very godlike to me. Mm -hmm. And what's kind of the irony of the church is certainly that I grew up in, at least, is that you know, emotions are deemed like devilish, you know, like mm -hmm. wow. <laughs> don't, don't trust your emotions. Uh, they're fleeting, which is true. Like emotions can be fleeting. So that's why I kind of earlier I referenced the leveraging emotions versus being hijacked by them. Yeah. Um, and I think it's Carl Jung said, emotions are the language of the soul. Mm. You know, it's like in, interpreted in a different way. It could be like the language of God speaking to you and through you. Now totally. what you do with that, that's where the work comes into play. Mm. Totally, <laughs> yeah. brother. Totally. How do you decode that? Yep. I love mm -hmm. that, man. So let's get into your personal journey, brother. And thank you for sharing those, that, the, your answers to those questions. It's beautiful insight into who you are, but I want to get a little bit deeper now. So if we can talk a little bit about, <laughs> let's go your unwoke journey. If uh -huh. we can go back to, you know, unwoke unconscious Jordan and how that compares to who you are today. 
Yeah. So a few things I'll start with is one, like, I guess groupthink kind of comes up for me. The idea of adhering to or acquiescing to the, the collective of whatever group I find myself in. And so like in high school and even before that and like middle school and growing up, it's like, I don't want to stand out too much, certainly not in a way that would like risk my, my street cred, you know? Mm-hmm. So I'll like, I'll sync up with like the common narrative and the language, you know, oftentimes in men's groups, it's calling each other pussies. And, and back in the day it was like faggot and stuff like that. And mm-hmm. um, even saying that, like just saying that just now, I was like, Ooh! I felt mm-hmm. tension, you know? I'm not allowed to say that or like, you know, or just like, it just, it's, it's aggressive, you know, and it's like, it's unconscious. Mm. And so things like that. And then, you know, as I started to wake up, it was like that foundational thing of not focusing so much on whether what I'm doing is popular or unpopular, but like what is true and untrue, you could say, or maybe right and wrong. Although like duality is a funny thing to try and decipher, but it's more like, what deeply feels to be right and true and, and good mm. as opposed to like what feels easy, the path of less, least resistance. Um, or like, how am I going to sort of stay in good graces with everybody? It's like, no, like there's something bigger and deeper than that. And when I've had the courage, there's like a handful of big moments in life where I had that, I call it a split second of amazing courage that can change everything. And it, it's like, one moment it doesn't have to be necessarily this huge lifelong thing. Yeah, that's part of it, the whole hero's journey of life. But there's many moments and hero's journeys in all of it that like pave the way and that shift trajectories. And so, you know, those handful really sort of move things from unconscious to conscious. And it's yeah, being courageous, speaking up. Yeah. It's healing my relationship with women, with my mom, and like being really a, a conscious steward of like my relationship with my lady right now. Mm. So yeah, that's kind of a little riff on there. Totally. So very much like conforming to the society around you, the culture around you, and then slowly having to have courage and speak up and sort of yeah. push out of that environment in order to start becoming more of who you are today. Absolutely. Yeah. I can totally relate, man. And what was your biggest vice in that period? What grabbed you most? Yeah, it, it was, sleeping with women yeah okay it was um yeah just my relationship with women in general of like and and i am proud of i never felt like i was really sleazily taking advantage of women mm. but definitely like a womanizer like the charm I, I the charm of, would turn on like that yeah and i would rest on well i'm not like being dishonest and i'm not like outwardly hurting them. In fact, I'm like really kind and I take care of a woman when I'm, but like it was a a facade of sorts. It's like, yeah, but I know deeper that I'm not being a really righteous steward Mm. of like the power that I yield. And that's a big one, right? Like how do I wield my power for good in a way that maybe only I can ever know. And that's like the biggest one, right? Because she might see it and be like, oh yeah, you like showed me such a good time and like all that. But I know I have no intention to go beyond this good time with her, but she maybe thinks that there is because it's unspoken, you know, it's unconscious. And so that's been a big journey. Wow. That's so interesting. Cause it's like, you see, cause I'd imagine you see a nice man of like, he's going out of his way for me. Like he wants to spend a lot of time with me. Really Mm -hmm. your motive was sex connection. Yeah. Like I want to keep flicking it over to see if there's something else in this person that gets me something else in this person that gets me. Did you find there was like, you were scared to be tied down? Was it? What was it really that you were flicking through? Yeah. Or was it like you wanted attention from the feminine? Yeah. Novelty. um, Yeah. Egoic confidence. Like if I'm able to get any woman I want, then I'm like, the world. Then the boys would love you. Yeah. Yeah. That's part of it too. And that was more early on. Like that wasn't enough anymore. I was like satisfied that the boys knew I I, I got it or whatever. And then it shifted into the other. yeah, shitty energies around it. And, you know, part of it too is that I had a, a long-term girlfriend for like five and a half years in college. So like just like a year into college and then a couple years after college. And so it's kind of like I was you know, faithful that whole time. Yeah. And so once I was out of that, it's like, all right, 
it's time to sow my royal oats, so to speak, and to really like let loose. And then it was like, yeah, I don't want to be tied down. And, um, and I was like, kind of, that was part of my conscious man journey, you know, being single that like really catalyzed me into a lot of the things. But then the big one was like, all right, how do I really show up for women in a way that's like deeply aligned and authentic? That's beautiful. Yeah. Man, your partner got the best of you, eh? Uh, indeed, I would say. And she gets the worst of me here and there. She's an incredible <laughs> reflection. Like there's just work that cannot be done in any other setting than in like oh, a I deep, agree, man. committed relationship. Yeah. Oof, ain't that the truth? So talk to me about your emotions during that period. What one got you most? I mean, you mentioned anger a little bit here, but was it anger, anxiety, shame, guilt, fear? What got you? Oh, man. Probably guilt. What from? Yeah. Kind of the women stuff I was talking about, like just feeling like I would go through women and just leave whatever wake in my path. Even if again, you didn't see it on the surface, I certainly could feel it underneath. And I imagined for them, there was something underneath, whether they're even like fully aware of it or not. So I felt a lot of guilt that like I had these gifts and this charisma and these abilities to connect um, but oftentimes, and again, specifically in the context of women, was not really using it in the most aligned way. Mm, okay. The guilt for sure. Yeah, interesting. And did you ever have any situations where like they caught you out or they confronted women confronted you about all this behavior that you were doing? <sighs> yes, um, but probably not as much as I could and dare not I say like, should. Not like Jerry Springer, right? It was like no, Jerry exactly, Springer. right? Yeah. <laughs> Um, there, there was a woman that I, I ended up dating that was like a couple years after the long-term college relationship. And you know, she's just this wonderful woman that was like ready to be in a, a conscious relationship. And she had her own shit, like make no mistake. We both did, but it was like, I did not want to commit to her. And so mm-hmm. I was doing everything I could to have my cake and eat it too. And she really kind of uh, brought me to terms with like, I can't do this because I'm seeing what it's, I can't like moving forward, even though that was the woman for me, the teacher that she was and that that relationship was like seeing, cause you know, very emotional, like a lot of women, but like my effect on her was, I could see it, you know, and there are a handful of times where it really came out big and, and I would sometimes seduce myself into like thinking I'm the victim. She's fucking crazy. You know, like typical masculine Mm. bullshit when really not to justify her behavior, but like I was contributing to that. And so that, although, and she certainly called me on various ways. That was a big wake up call for me. Yeah. Yeah. Of course. Did you ever cheat on any of your girlfriends? Yes. Yeah. And that was Mm -hmm. through the same thing, right? The same sort of pattern just showing up of like, needing to be still connected? Was there like a fear of missing out or something? Oh yeah, definitely. And, you know, it's not something that I did often, but I did it a few times. Yeah. Um, you know, in my relationship with my college sweetheart, as they call him, right? Uh, five and a half years, I didn't. However, if I'm really being honest with you, if I had the right opportunity, I can almost guarantee you I would have. Mm. Um, and so like, to me, that's just about as bad. Yeah. And how are you now with all that? Obviously the integrity and in you would be so different, right? Like you, it's just not even a thing now. Yeah. Uh, And you know, it wasn't enough of an ingrained pattern to where like, I was like, Ooh, I have a real problem with this again, not to justify by any means. If I did it, that means I'm capable of doing it. Um, you know, I haven't done it. There's some shit I'm probably capable of. Um, but with her, it was like, I know this is my forever babe ski, you know, like this is like, mother of my children kind of a thing. And I have such a, an admiration and respect for her. And it's so mutual um, that I would never compromise that in that way. And, and, and we have very radical open conversations around our sexuality, our desires um, outside of this. And like, if I'm a woman and like in the past, I would have never gone there. And I just would have repressed the shit out of it until it, you know, became suppressed subconsciously in my body and then would, manifest yep. in bad ways yeah you know yeah 100 percent, man i think that's where it comes from really like the suppression of mm-hmm. of, of the, the shit the thoughts you know yeah and uh, I, i'm with you on that i'm very blessed too with my partners we just speak so openly about that of like what's our deepest darkest desires and well you know what are you feeling about this if 
you know, that person, are you attracted to that person? Let's talk about it. Because at that yes. point, it probably takes half the heat off it anyway. Because you're like, you're not, you're not guilty, you know, you're not bad. You're just like, well, cool. This is a natural desire, you know, God's communicating with you, whatever. Yep. That's that's interesting, man. I think it's a, that's going to be really helpful for a lot of people. Totally. Um, well, and one thing I'll say, though, is like there's a fine line because I don't want to be do the whole mental transparency thing, right? This is like the sort of edge of the radical honesty concept is, you know, I've in the past taken it a bit too far. And with my partner is one of those settings where I don't tell her every fucking woman that I find attractive or everything I think about, you know, cause like mm. that, then it becomes like, it's overkill. Yeah. It's like, that's where I get to be like wise and discerning of like what I speak about, not repressing, yeah. but not verbal diarrhea, vomiting, yeah. you know, that's a good balance. point. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, totally. It's all, almost like for me, I, I do it when I'm like, I can see there's a, a consistency to this feeling. Totally. It's like, cool. Yeah. It's like, okay, cool. This is 10 times now. Probably should notice uh-huh. it. And let's talk about yeah. it. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's beautiful, brother. Beautiful. So did you ever contribute this need for women to something that's happened in your past? Like, has there ever been a correlation with you in your, on your journey? Um, I mean, the first thing that comes up is mom. Yeah. right? Like there's the childhood stuff goes deep and the implications can not fully be known. I don't think ever. You can certainly yeah. follow the breadcrumbs and come to some clarity and some healing. And that's part of the lifelong journey as well. And kind of like I referenced a little bit earlier on this, mom was oftentimes absent, you know, yeah. working single mom, um, one to three jobs at any given time. And then when she wasn't oftentimes partying, you know, being yeah. gone all night, kind of like drinking alcoholic drugs, things like that. And so, you know, when I say the addicted lover archetype that I mentioned before, um, that comes largely from that of like a feeling of not being good enough, of, of you know, abandonment. And so it's like, I'm addicted to finding and experiencing love in any way I can to make up for the lack of it growing up. Yeah. Yeah. I can relate with you there, man. That's what I certainly I've found in my life too. Very similar experience. And it is it's interesting how it all plays out. It is, it's just like, you know, but it's not like it's happened for you, uh, to you, you know, it's sort of like, I mean, you come on this journey, you go, okay, cool. That's just something I have to learn and master in my, in my life that, and take a, take ownership for. But it's interesting, the correlations. I don't know. It's just interesting how, you know, there's these these, these roots of, of a motive or a behavior that you have now. There's a root that comes from somewhere. I guess that's what psychiatrists and psychologists look at, but it's just, it's, it's fascinating, yeah. Somewhat predictable patterns, man, you know? Yeah, man. Yeah, somewhat <laughs> predictable patterns. Whose love did you crave most growing up out of your mum and dad? Or was it someone else? That you, was it your mum or who was it? And who did you have to be to get it? Yeah, ooh, good question. So certainly on some level, my mom, my dad, and my stepmom um, that was married to my dad, um, I never questioned that I was loved by any of them. Like I mentioned, my dad, you know, the way he talks to me, very like clear that he loves me. And I feel that I believe that. However, he was not there nine months out of the year, you know, growing up and like my most formative years. And so I very much felt, and this has more come out in recent years. Um, I had this story that my dad was the victim, that my mom divorced him and left. Mm-hmm. And it was like, and my mom took me away from my dad. Fact of the matter is, my dad allowed that to happen and didn't do whatever it took to be with me. You know, if he had to fucking uproot his life and move to Ohio and live down the street to have access to his kids, that was an option to him. And I just never even thought that way until again, relatively recently and not having the safety of my dad in the home growing up. Like, dude, I was terrified of the dark growing up from, you know, a young toddler, basically, until really I was like 14. And frankly, I still don't fucking like the dark, (laughs) you know, but then it was like a legitimate deep fear of it. And I think that really is rooted in, I didn't have my dad now. I had my older brother who's a few years older. And so I'd like sleep in his room, bring my mattress into the ground, like leave the bathroom light on kind of shit. And so probably my dad is the bigger one, even though like on the surface, my mom being absent, it was just kind of like, it was the safety and security and like deep righteous love for my dad that I didn't like feel in my immediate space. Mm. And then the stepmom, you know, like once she had 
my older brother and I were like her kids because she didn't have any other kids when her and my dad first got together. And I was very young. It was very shortly after my parents got divorced. And then they adopted kids that are my, my half brother and sister, younger twins. I was like, once they came into the mix, it was like, we were fucking Gonskis. disposable. And so that definitely played. Well, that would have hurt, man. That would have hurt. Totally. Imagine, hey? Yeah. Man, mm-hmm. Thanks for sharing that, brother. What was what was your lowest point? Let's t- let's go there. What was one of the lowest points in your life, and was suicide ever an option for you? So su- suicide was never an option. Um, you know, there's like suicidal thoughts and suicidal ideation. Never did ideation become a thing where it's like I'm actually considering this. But certainly, I, I think a lot of people can relate to the the thought of it. Like, if I did, what would happen? Who would be hurt? Like how much do I mean to people? You know, like how significant am I or am I not? Yeah. And so no, you know, not the, the ideation, but definitely the thoughts, but the lowest time in my life, like the first thing that comes up is the woman I have mentioned a few times that I dated throughout college, you know, like a lot of deep love there. Like my first real love, like where I, I was years is a long time. Yeah, totally. It's like, we're going to get married, have kids. Like, very quickly and early on, like that was just like understood. Yeah. Um, but you know, met when we were 19 and then you yeah, get yeah. to 25 and those are big formative years. Mm. And you know, when we broke up and just how intense all that was, I had it in my mind, you know, as the sort of delusional asshole I could be at times uh, that I had her, you know, no matter, no matter what, mm. she's my babe. I got her. Like I can, fuck around, do my tomfoolery and she'll always be there. And I more or less bet on that and, and I lost. And what that looked like is I actually tried to win her back in a really sort of dramatic cinematic, like kind of Hollywood movie kind of way. And what do you mean? Like running after and behind a car or something? Like, what does that mean? Kind of man. So I'll try and make the long story kind of short. Like I was in Southern California living out of my car with my dog like in this kind of like hero's journey where I was just started working for Bulletproof and I was doing this out of choice. It was just like, I want to live radical. And like, Mm. this is like helping me step into more of like the conscious man I want to be. And as I felt like I was starting to get it, I was like, all right, well, like now I'm ready to have my my girl back, you know? So you left her, you left her to go do this. So more or less, yeah, like I didn't really know it at the time that I was going to do this, but I knew I was doing something and that was part of the process that needed to happen was like us separating so I could have my like autonomy and sovereignty and confidence Mm -hmm. and like all those big, deep things that were lacking in this Mm -hmm. new season of life, this new chapter of the hero's journey. And so I was driving from Southern California up to Northern California to essentially proposed to her. Now I didn't have a ring. It wasn't necessarily planning on getting on, on one knee, but like declaring my love in that way for her on um, Valentine's day, which would have been our six year anniversary. And she told me not to like, basically she's like, don't come here. I thought she was going on a date with somebody. And I left like this gnarly note on her car at her work and said, I was going to be down the street waiting for her when she got off to like talk. And she, you know, didn't show up. And like her parents, even like her dad sent me a text that was like, stay the fuck away from my daughter. And it was like, it was intense and traumatic for me for sure. And I'm for her too. And so then it was like, all right, I've pushed hard enough, surrender, I'm done. And, but that was very painful, man. I was like, I blew it. Like with the love of my life was how I saw it at that time. Mm. So I was. was How long were you out for? What's that? How long were you out for? Like after that emotionally? Did that hurt you for a while? Dude, it hurt for a while. And then when it really, I think I did a good job of distracting myself from it. I was just busy in life and had a lot of beautiful other elements. So I sort Mm -hmm. of could just like push that off to the side, not really like feel it and flow it. And it really came to a head actually. I think it was like two years later. We were at a a friend's wedding in Italy, a little destination wedding that she was invited to as well because we were good friends with these this couple in college. And she went there with her boyfriend, same guy that she had like on that first date with, um, where she chose over me essentially. And he proposed to her on that trip. And, and on that trip, I still had it in my mind, bro. I had this whole 
theatrical plan of how I was going to win her back on this trip too. Like that's how deep it goes. Uh, and that was when it really hit rock bottom. And I'm so grateful for that. Cause I was like, all right, I have no choice, but to feel this fully of like big rejection and consequences for my yeah. actions yeah. and like, yeah. and the, the opportunity to like move on from it. Yeah. Well, did you ever yeah. used to think like, I don't know, this can get a lot of people like them being intimate. Was that like a killer for you? Like you'd think, I don't know. I can see that. that I had a similar experience with you after five, after six years. It's very similar, actually, our stories. And it's like five to six year relationship from 18 to 24. I've heard this from from men, from several men. It's a a common thing. And what's most personal, most universal. And, 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 you know, I was just like, oh, the thought of it made me. I I couldn't eat for a week, man. I was like out. I was like, yeah. I was done. And because you just like, what do I, I don't I, I know nothing I know nothing about this real world and and, I'm like, <laughs> and then you get these little glimpses you know after I don't know if you had this but like after a week you're like oh I'm single I'm like I'm free I'm free yeah. baby but then it all comes tumbling back down I don't know yeah. back and forth yeah I can very much relate yeah man yeah but that intimate thought of like them being intimate with someone else definitely crippled me I don't know if it did for you one uh, I guess to get a little deeper like I, I was the first person she ever had sex with. And yeah, so it was yeah. like, there is, I cherished that, you know, I didn't realize necessarily maybe the degree that I did, but like the idea is like, no, that is like mine. She's mine. That yeah. like, it's not. I feel you, bro. I feel you. <laughs> yeah. What was a significant moment of awakening for you? I don't know if I can necessarily, like a, not one specific moment is coming up. Certainly several of the things I've already talked about a bit, but there is, a turning point of sorts, like really what I trace a lot of things back to where I'm at today. I talked about the bulletproof journey and some of these other things, but it was attending like radical retreats. And so I went to my very first one by this group called tribe design. And those guys have become some of my best friends. And this was, I want to say like four years ago, something like that, maybe five. And it was this retreat based on radical honesty and raw, authentic communication. And it was just the container for unconditional, fun, conditional connection and love and and all those things. And like being aware of the emotions, identifying like, what do I feel and where in the body objectively? And now what is my subjective reality, you know, based on that and our subjective experience of, you know, the objective reality. And like, once I like, not only could like knew those in my mind, but experienced them like in my body and with other people and had that training round. Uh, it was like <laughs> massive, like explosion and awakening. It's like, Whoa, the world is so different to me now and how yeah. I approach it and like how I perceive things. And there was like, that's like, you want know, to talk about the one thing that I'm the conscious man journey. Like that was it like mm. literal in a sense, consciousness. Mm. Have you, what made you go to that? Was it a big, was it, a, were you nervous thinking about it or did someone sort of pull oh, it up? Yeah, dude, like, you know, it was, I think it was $2,500 or something like that. And yeah. the idea of spending that much on, you know, a personal development retreat at that time was like, are you kidding me? I don't have that much money, like disposable. Yeah. Um, but there was just this deep, like knowing that I had to go, like I had to. And, you know, had the conversations with the founders and felt into it. My older brother and I were talking about, cause we were kind of like a package deal, like really on the journey together. And we went back and forth. And then there's just like, dude, we've been here before. Like, we know we have to do something, even though like the how is kind of dicey. It's like the why is so strong. And so it's just like, just trust the why and the how will work itself out. Amen, brother. Amen. Mm-hmm. So what healing going after through this process, what healing modality was the biggest for you on your journey? Oh, and yeah, there might so, be a couple of things. I mean, the umbrella is bioenergetics and that's a big part of my training, both as like a student and practitioner. And that's a big umbrella that encapsulates a lot. Like, you know, you can get deep into the technical elements of it, but we all practice bioenergetics in one way or another. Um, breath work is a really awesome form of bioenergetics. It's been super impactful for me, Mm. dancing, um, basketball, like weightlifting, exercising, anything that is an embodied physical experience, um, is under the umbrella of bioenergetics. Mm. And so I went to several, like Elliot Hulse was a really 
potent mentor of mine. Are you familiar with him by any chance? Yeah, 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 yeah. Cool. Yeah. yeah. So he's been an incredible mentor of mine for several awesome. years and last couple of years haven't been super connected like we were, but used to go to all of his grounding man retreats, yeah. um, a lot of Osho influences. So Rajneeshi, yeah, a lot of his active meditations and, and things like that, like really probably the most potent healing modality that I've experienced yeah. personally. And I have like supported others in actualizing, so to speak. Yeah. The old, um, the Rajneeshi, uh, the, yeah. the, the active meditations are profound. I love them. They're Incredible. So, man. so awesome, man. Mm -hmm. There's breath and, and, and retention and yeah, it's powerful, man. Cool. Yeah. What about your, what about your friend group, brother? How's that changed as you've changed? Has it changed much? So yes, definitely. And it, it's, mm. that's particularly relevant right now, I'd say, because, you know, as I'm like, Thinking about who are going to be my groomsmen in my my wedding, you know, who's going to go to my bachelor party, who's going to go to my wedding, like who are the, and I, like I mentioned toward the beginning, I, I have a lot of like I'm really proud of this super connector that I am. Something that I've said in the past is like I have more legitimate best friends than anybody I know, mm -hmm. and and just like deep meaningful relationships, and I'm like again so proud of that. And at the end of the day, there's only so much energy that can be like flowed. And so like that applies to friendships. So I can only have so many active, like consistent active relationships and friendships. And here in Austin, I've, I've found the sweet spot for this season of life with a lot of these conscious couples and the men that are in those relationships. And so those are the guys that we can deeply empathize with one another and mm. support one another in a way that is just, it can't really be matched other in other places. I still have incredible friendships with you know, the guys from my fraternity and even some guys from high school. Um, but it's, you know, those are friendships from the past that are still relevant in some way. And like when I go back to Southern California, I hit them up, like if they're here and sometimes like I had a buddy from college that came and visited me last weekend, but you know, those are, there's the active ones that are really relevant to the season of my life right now that have just a lot of substance. And then those are like still amazing and meaningful, but they're not nearly as active and relevant. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I feel you, man. It's, it's really interesting hearing that like everyone sort of said the same thing and very few have said, Oh, it's still the same, but what are you going to do for your box party? It's very Say it one more time. What are you going to do for your box? Oh, so your stags, what do you call it? Stags oh, the bachelor box? party. Bachelor party. Yeah. Uh huh. Um, so, Cause it's going to yeah. be obviously a different context. Do you, could do you drink? I do. Like yeah. I don't drink a lot, like maybe a couple times a month. Yeah. Um, and I'll here and there have like a beer, but it's, it's, few and far between, but I'm not like, I don't have a hard rule to not drink. Yeah. Cool. Um, but you know, you talk about a bachelor party and like, typically it's sex, drugs, and rock and roll, you know, strippers Amen. and cocaine type of deal. <laughs> and I've been to plenty of those, you know, yeah. with my friends throughout the years and had a lot of fun, like not even going to demonize those experiences. Um, but it's not something that excites me like it did once upon a time. Yeah. Like there's a, a deeper joy to experience. And actually, um, my older brother and my best friend, the three of us have this group called the Mystic Misfits. Um, nice. If you were in Bali, you might know Kevin Oros. I don't know if you're familiar with him, but... I've got him coming on the show with us. Oh, cool. Yeah. Nice. My, my best friend. Like my oh, best friend you. of the best friends. Um, and so him, myself, and my older brother, who's actually here staying with me this weekend, um, the three of us had this conscious boy brand uh, called the Mystic Misfits. And so we would host retreats, do workshops... Um, high-level immersion, stuff like that. And so uh, the three of us, where, where, what was the original question? Oh, the bachelor party, that's right. Okay. So we actually emceed a conscious bachelor party a few oh, years back. Friend, uh, what, did, we, what, was that, what did that look like? It, I mean, we just injected the intentionality. And so we, we did a, a psilocybin ceremony where we all just like connected and circled up, um, shared intentions, got vulnerable, um, and just had this deep, meaningful, fun experience. And there was, you know, no strippers and cocaine. I think there, there might've been some beer, like, you know, casual, but it was like, that was not the focus. Like the focus is like, let's connect deeply and be in nature and be introspective as well as, you know, outrospective. Mm, yeah. And, and so bringing it back to my bachelor party, I very much intend for it to be like that. It'll Journey. likely maybe be here in Austin 
And, you know, a lot of my college buddies will be there. A lot of my high school, I should say some, and they'll be used to this experience and this will be a little different, you know, yeah. there'll still be notes of some of the, the unconscious stuff. Cause Hey, I, I think that's fun and okay when it's like leveraged, you know, in a, in a mindful way, but mm. it's going to be a lot deeper. Mm, that's beautiful, man. Yeah. It's something that I've considered. I'm like, it's going to be very different than the old yeah. Vegas strip, man. So yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and you, and you tend to get, I've, I've done some good journeys with some of my really good mates from Bali and you just get so much closer after those ceremonies, man, the medicine totally. ceremonies. And it's, it's, it's yeah. profound. It's really cool. I think it'd be really powerful, man. It sounds good. Yeah. Brother, what part of this conscious journey are you most grateful for? Yeah, it comes back to my relationship with my lady. Like that is the mm. mirror, you know, that she is and the parts of myself I get to look at in that mm. container of an intimate relationship it can't be replicated elsewhere. Like mm -hmm. I've experienced deep connection and growth with my bros and the initiations. And, and that's amazing and, and massive, important part of the journey. But there's something about that, like intimate relationship container with a conscious woman that's also on the path. Um, that is, yeah, I'm most grateful for that. And like recontextualizing sex very specifically and like what, like a sexual connection and sex magic and like flowing that energy and growing it and leveraging it to do like big things. Like that's a journey that I find myself in the middle of. It's fun, comfortable and really meaningful. And that's part of that intimacy that can't be replicated. Mm, that's beautiful, brother. And the last question for you today, what's one tip you'd give your old self who's just starting this journey? Be conscious of your stewardship in all areas of life. Mm. that might be the phrase and I would, I would obviously go deeper but the word stewardship uh, again a little bit biblical in a sense but it just it carries so much righteous weight to me mm. the captain the captain indeed mm -hmm. i love it brother i love it man it's been a beautiful experience with you today man and you sharing your journey and getting to hear your story for those men out there who are, who are on the cusp of change and we're you know, once where we were, it's beautiful for your time to be shared here today, man. So thank you very much. Thank you, bro. I've super enjoyed this. Mm, beautiful brother. And if anyone's listening right now who does want to connect with Jordan, definitely check out the show notes. You'll see his social media handle there um, and, and jump on his, his, uh, what was the, the kind of conscious kind of conscious. Is it K I N D A? Yep. Yeah. Mm -hmm. love it. Cool, man. Go check that out. Have a good laugh. This has been a beautiful experience, brother, and it's actually an honor to meet you, man, and finally connect. So we'll stay in touch. Be cool. mm -hmm. Much love. Thank you very much. And thank you to everyone for listening. Take care out there. Peace. It just be I got love in my eyes Bro, I can't see I'm gonna be who I'm destined to be Wokeness is taking my old self away Yeah, I put love into me I'm spreading that love Yo, don't you see Grab your cacao and drink it with me Cause wokeness is taking my old self away Woke man Wokey woke man Woke man Wokey woke man Woke man Wokey woke man Bring love and just be Woke man, wokey woke man, woke man, wokey woke man, woke man, wokey woke man, bring love and just be.